ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of Blue Mountain Off Topic. My name is Terry Simpson, and I'm joined here by my cohort, Patrick Cyril Blaine. Hey, what's up, guys? And uh, we will use this show to discuss uh, things in the news or uh, social media or media in general that um, are interesting. And we'll start with a single topic, and from there, we'll get off topic as far as uh, we allow ourselves to go, which is really far. Yeah, we're not really focused talkers. It's kind of like what you'd expect off the water cooler. So today, Pat, our uh, topic submitted to us by uh, ourselves (laughs) is seasonal depression. What with the fall... Uh, pretty much getting skipped and going straight into winter here in La Grande. Um, seasonal depression is a topic near and dear to my heart, as you know. Um, yeah, uh, people all over the world, in particular uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line, in the United States at least, know that when the weather starts changing, we start getting more fog, overcast. We get a little bit less vitamin D in our daily routines that we start to feel differently. Um, symptoms vary for seasonal depression. Some people experience full-blown depression. Um, people experience like loss of, uh, loss of motivation or decreased mood. Um, I definitely like to talk a little bit about how that's affected my life recently and then kind of get a little bit more into like how I deal with it, how we deal with it, and uh, what other people around the net are talking about seasonal, uh, what they're saying about their seasonal depression. So for me, um, it's a it's a season thing. Obviously, uh, we only have two seasons in the grand, hot and cold. <laughs> and uh, many of you mountain folk probably know exactly what I'm talking about, where it's hot one day and then the fog rolls can't really see the sun anymore. Uh, for me, exercise is kind of a big part of my life. Terry definitely knows that. Uh, I, I care about my health a lot, but my ability to like, uh, my ability to get my body, you know, my carcass going, especially in the morning when I like to run, uh, it's definitely reduced. And I, it, I find myself playing a battle and it's not about like whether or not I can complete it. It's, I find myself wondering what's even the point. And then I start getting into more dark topics like my own mortality. And then finally, when I hit the road, I actually feel better. And I know that for a lot of people, exercise is a good way to combat seasonal and regular depression. Um, I definitely find myself, it impacts my career, my motivation to go to work or be productive at work. And even to like uh, maintain my personal relationships. What about you, Terry? What do you think? Um, so really quick. I'm going to define seasonal depression. Awesome. According to the Mayo Clinic, it's actually referred to as seasonal affective disorder. Oh, wow. Sad. Um, it's a type of depression that, that's related to changes in seasons. Sad begins and ends at about the same times every year. If you're like most people with sad, your symptoms will start in the fall and continue into the winter months, sapping your energy and making you feel moody less often. Sad causes depression in the spring or early summer. Symptoms include feeling depressed most of the day, nearly every day, losing interest in activities you once enjoyed, having low energy, having problems sleeping, experiencing changes in appetite or weight, feeling sluggish and agitated, 
having difficulty concentrating, feeling hopeless, worthless, and guilty, having frequent thoughts of death and suicide. Um, so for me, like I actually, we were just talking about it before we started recording. I've experienced it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, like I don't get like sad, but one way that I know for sure that I'm like hitting a weird flux in my moods mm-hmm. is I start getting unmotivated, like you were talking about. Um, like I just kind of sit there and I'm like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And I hate the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like you were saying, exercise, I think, is probably the best method for combating that. Because, you know, um, when you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you do is you put, some, put on some clothes and you go work out, while it's going to be difficult to get up and go work out, once you get up and you're moving and you're there and you're doing the workout, by the time you're done, you're going to feel 20 times better about yourself. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you're gonna feel a lot more, uh, um, you're gonna feel a lot more opti- optimistic about the day coming. I definitely agree with you. Like, um, I'm not really. I I go to the gym. I don't really enjoy my time in the gym. And uh, when I run, though, like once I kind of get the let out on my run, I start thinking about my performance, and I start thinking about my next performance as a runner. And so I definitely use cardio as a tool to like be optimistic about the future. Mm-hmm. I find myself, especially like uh, I found a lot of my interest in my hobbies kind of waning recently. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually play a lot of video games, uh, hang out with my wife, things like that. And I find, uh, I have a lot of difficulty enjoying those things. And usually when I like lose interest in a video game, I'll rotate to a different game in my library. And, uh, I kind of stopped that. Uh, and I find myself kind of moping around more. But when I was running this morning, which it was hard to get out and do, and I finally, like, uh, I trick myself into it. Like, I set a time when I'm going to go run, and then, like, about, like, 20 minutes to half an hour before that, I was like, okay, time now. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. put on my, you know, put on more clothes. You use one of your random, like, motivated spurts that show up, and you're yeah. just like, let's fucking go. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> I pulled a U-turn on my day. And when I first got out there, like, I was like, you know, my first thoughts, especially, and maybe a lot of people relate to this, my first, what am I? Camera's in. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, a powdery pack of goodness. Yeah, man. Uh, we're all about habits here. Good <laughs> and bad. Good bad. and bad. Um, but I really found, like, you know, I was trying to get the let out, and I was trying to find some motivation for my run. I usually make deals with myself when I'm running, like, especially that first mile. It's like, you know what? I don't have to do good. I just have to do it. And you know what? Like, I'll run the first half, and then I'll walk the second half. And then usually by time, actually, to my credit, almost every time, by the time I get to that, like, halfway mark, you know, I hit that turnaround point, I'm like, okay, I did this. Like, the next part's There's harder. no need to run. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to do this. And I get through it. And I get back, and then I think, like, wow, you know what? I set no expectations for myself, and I exceeded them, and I can do better tomorrow. You know what I do, you know, speaking of playing okay. tricks on it, on ourselves, mm-hmm. what I do, um, actually, is, like, I'll be like, okay, I'll run, you know, say I want to do a five-mile run on the day. Okay. I'm like, I'm going to run three, I'm going to run 3.5 miles down this country road where I know I don't have, like, cell service or anything like that. 
or like even if I do have self service, it's not a big deal. But like the key is to go down like a country road where there's like there's only one way to go. Mm-hmm. You can only go straight out and straight back. And yeah. It's three point five miles. So like the first three and a half miles, I feel like shit. Yeah. But like I'll get to the turnaround point. The turnaround point for me is always the make it or break it spot, right? Okay, I got you. But I'm already all the way out there. Yeah. So I'm three and a half miles from home, and like I'll consider like as I'm turning around, I'll be like I could just walk this. But the problem is, is the what I do to trick myself is when I think I could just walk this, and then I'm like. That's going to add a solid hour to your run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's between you, you know, like you, your clock, and your shower. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And me getting some food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. You know, actually, it's funny you say that. The, the good news is about SAD is it's, this is a great time, dear listeners, to start a diet. It is. <laughs> it's actually like, so I would, I, I agree, but disagree at the same time. Because okay. one of the symptoms for SAD is that your appetite and your um, and your weight are going to fluctuate, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing about that – so here's the negative part. If you try to start a diet now, either A, you're going to be even less motivated than you typically would be to yeah. follow that diet. Along with that, you're not going to see the results that you would mm-hmm. typically – when you start this diet, which is also going to be depressing. Yeah, you guys are sad. <laughs> because, like, your weight yeah. is going to be fluctuating a lot. Yeah. Um, just because of, like, hormonal releases. And so, like, every morning, like, yesterday, I like to keep myself, like, right around 220. And then if I'm going to, like, cut down for something, I cut down, like, within a week. So, like, this week, I was like, all right, let's cut down some, some weight, you know. And so, yesterday, I stepped on the scale, and I was 220. And I was like, okay, right where I like to be. And I was like, but this week I'm going to start cutting it down. Set on the scale today. And I followed my regular diet, which usually can get me dropping pounds a day. Okay. I, you know, I followed that yesterday. And I stepped on the scale today and I weighed 222. And I was just <laughs> mad. I was so mad. Um, but, a little beat up. But I, I, you know, I, I also know because this is like, you know, fitness and nutrition and everything in my life. You know, it's like, like. 50% of my life. Everything I do is fitness or nutrition related. And so like I knew, I was like, all right, you know, having some issues with emotions. So I was like, got to be some weight, crazy hormone fluctuations and some weight fluctuations in there. Okay. So it's about understanding that too. But positive side about, um, actually, you know what? I would say that right now may not be the best time to start a diet. Okay. But right now is an amazing time to a learn to cook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And cook good healthy meals. You know, actually, I really appreciate that point because usually, uh, and this when people think of weight gain in the uh, the colder seasons, they usually think of their mom's cooking. You know, mm-hmm. like holiday cooking. You got Thanksgiving coming up. You got Christmas coming up, and this is a really good time to start picking up those recipes that mean a lot to you. Um, Terry knows this, but you guys might not know, but uh, I consider myself a, uh, a foodie, and I spent a lot of time improving my cooking skills in the kitchen. And I know that one of my favorite things, like one of my favorite things to do is to put time and effort into my cooking. It's kind of like an exercise routine, right? Like, yeah. Uh, especially like for people who 
you, you know this if you've started like CrossFit or started playing like an intramural sport in your time, you have to learn new skills and there's always new skills to develop. And the best part is, is those skills are an investment in your meal and in your yeah. enjoyment. And so like uh, just recently a recipe that I just tried to master was uh, avocado curry. And that's a really good hearty meal. Yeah, you know, like uh, that's really that's a delicious meal too. I love it. I made it in a crock pot, and the first time I made it, I consider myself pretty experienced, but I failed. I put I, I always cook my rice in with the curry itself, mm-hmm. and I did a I did a green curry, and everything turned out great, but I measured too much rice, and so I got a, like a, <laughs> I got a, basically a casserole. It turned out good, and it was super hearty, and for me, like taking a step back. And, you know, and I mean, this is just a basic skill, which is food measurements and paying attention to what I was doing allowed me to go back, make a second batch of curry that was like, it was like a hearty stew. And it might not be a super traditional uh, curry, nothing you'll see on the streets of New Delhi, but it was pretty good for my little Eastern Oregon home. Yeah. And uh, that, like, having a meal for myself, like, you know, because I I made a large batch, so having some sequent meals. Knowing that I got better mm-hmm. and that I could get more enjoyment out of that product really improved it for me. I know that a um, really good example with my mom is that uh, her big thing growing up was sweet potatoes. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. candied sweet potatoes. And when uh, a couple of years ago, I was actually working professionally as a chef. And during that time, uh, we made holiday meals and I tried to make something really special for the staff. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to make my uh, my grandmother's candied yams. The first time I made it, it was I just like put uh, candy yams into a pan, heated it up, and like baked marshmallows over it. And people loved it. Mm-hmm. It was good for people. But um, I realized that I didn't do my best. And so like I I set myself towards you know I progressed towards making a better meal. So I started candying pecans. Uh, I mashed the potatoes up themselves. And then instead of like just throwing uh, marshmallows on top, I uh, I actually made like kind of like a marshmallowy puff, mm-hmm. and then I put caramel on top of that puff and I baked it. So you got a salted caramel marshmallow puff on top of your sweet potatoes. Is that good for you? Absolutely not. But when I sat down with the staff and we ate the meal, and people could see that it was way better than what I had made for them last time, and mm-hmm. I put a lot of love into it. It allowed me to build connection with my coworkers and kind of like build a familial connection. That's actually something that's a memory that still sticks with me today. And so, so my suggestion for the season is not just stay exercising, but find ways, whether it's through food or hobbies. A lot of people play like, like to play games, but take time to connect with people in your yeah. surrounding, especially like... A lot of us live further and further from our loved ones or where we used to live, where all our friends are. Some of you are in college by now far from home and might be staying in the dorm this season or whatever you're doing. Take time to connect with that. Build old connections and build new ones because if you're lonely and you're far from home, odds are everyone around you is too. Yeah, and uh, a cool thing also with building connections is mm-hmm. especially – during this time of year, is there's not a lot to do, like, especially outside and whatnot. Yeah. So, like you said, right now, it's a really good time. So, like, I'm specifically, like, referencing, like, my time in college. Okay. Like, this time of year would, was, like, the time that, like, me and my friends were hanging out every day. 
like every single day, like clockwork, because there's not much else to do, right? Like yeah. whether we're working out together or we're just like watching shows and stuff together or like eating dinner together, like it was like a pretty regular thing. And it still is for me, like, and with you and with our buddy Richard, like mm-hmm. always hanging out, like while I don't have as many active friends right now, like the close friends that I have are like very active. Yeah. Um, going back to the food, um, the food aspects of what we were talking about. Another, so my suggestion. Mm-hmm. So while honing your skills is a really good good thing to do right now. Yeah. My suggestion is right now is also develop your ability to find good and nutritious whole foods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is the perfect season because, you know, like, corn is just about to start harvesting. So you can go to, like, and farmer's markets are still going. Apples are just getting into season or just getting, yeah, like, they're harvesting or they just got done harvesting. Um, All kinds of fruits, all kinds of vegetables, especially in local areas. Great time to go find those ingredients and then figure out, hone your skills, making foods with those ingredients. Um, Like, right now, uh, I've been really focusing on my meat uh, you know cooking meat mm-hmm. I, as you know i like got two barbecues now <laughs> and, yeah. and i'm like that's the good stuff so but the main reason i've been like really developing that skill is because i know i'm going hunting here mm-hmm. this next month I'm gonna go harvest some elk and um and then i want to be i want to have good skills for cooking and smoking that elk to enjoy it like to its fullest potential absolutely um you actually make a really good point. Um, now, uh, before I say this, uh, don't be turned off. Listen to my suggestion, but uh, I really appreciate what you said about like finding natural ingredients and making something wholesome with it. Now, a lot of people might not know this, but actually like really cooking healthily for yourself does mm-hmm. not mean you're not making comfort food. Yeah. And I know we just talked about hunting, which is a great thing. I love it. Um, I'm actually a vegetarian. But uh, I, I like hunting as a concept, especially because I think it's the most ethical way to source your meat. Absolutely. And uh, I think that uh, finding, uh, but an alternative to that is whether, regardless of whether you're a meat eater going hunting or you just get your food at the grocery store, if you're looking for a healthier alternative, especially to uh, like comfort foods, mm-hmm. is vegan recipes. And I know a lot of people get turned off when I say that, like. People think of tofu, which I don't eat at all. It's super gross. But uh, finding uh, comfort foods, like uh, I know like they're vegan apple crisps, yep. super nutritious for you, uh, like with uh, with locally sourced oats and grains, especially here in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. Um, and then fresh apples and then flavoring your food with cinnamon and trying to cut off on the black sh- uh, the brown sugar. And I, you'll actually and white sugar. Absolutely, yeah. White sugar is the devil. But uh, you'll actually find the less crap that you put into your food, mm-hmm. you know, less processed your meat is, less processed yep. the food that you're making. You only f- you'll find a sense of accomplishment with making a better product, or even learning how to make a good product if you're not savvy in the kitchen. But you'll also start to enjoy your food more. The sugar actually like breaks down in your like in your mouth and it makes it more difficult everyone you know anyone who's ever eaten a potato chip knows that the first potato chip in the bag doesn't taste like the last potato chip in the bag and that's because of all the processed foods sugars and preservatives in your food Mm -hmm. and so taking it taking an opportunity to 
fine, more wholesome products, building it. And like I said, my recommendation are vegan recipes. You don't have to be a vegan to enjoy vegan food. No, yeah. And they're a great inspiration. Um, I'm a vegetarian myself, but I'm also, like, my calling in life is barbecue. Um, <laughs> it actually made me salivate thinking about what I could do with deer. Um, <laughs> I'm a really big fan. I hope you uh, keep me in mind when you're barbecuing. I definitely will. I'll, uh, I'll invite you over in secret. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> don't tell my wife, Dennis. Um so, so also along with that, like, I understand that, like, not everybody in the world has the ability to go hunting, whether it's experience level or, like, you don't own a firearm or mm-hmm. you don't even know the first thing about getting a tag to hunt legally. Like, I, I'm a huge advocate for hunting legally because it helps the federal system and the state system track the game, right? That's a Absolutely. big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah, I actually used to work for, uh, yeah, Oregon Wildlife, and that's a lot of what we did was producing the amount of tags, doing research on the animals, and I cannot thank hunters enough for what they do for our ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, you know, people say it all the time, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard it a ton, but hunters truly are, like, the biggest conservatives. Absolutely. Like, there's like, you know, rich people down in the south that literally buy plots of land, leave it in its natural state mm-hmm. just so they can hunt on it. But they hunt they hunt it um, very responsibly. You know, they don't overhunt it. They allow the deer and the game to um, feed on that ground, to have a good population, a controlled population, though, mm-hmm. to where, like, for, say, hogs aren't becoming super invasive and pushing deer out. They'll manage the hogs and everything. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, but so, but you know, not everybody has the ability to go hunt. Um, mm-hmm. so, but what you can do is there's a whole bunch of different services. Like you can go to the local butcher okay. and nine times out of 10, if you go to a local butcher, that meat has not been processed that much. It's mm-hmm. the stuff from like Walmart, Safeway, like major markets, major supermarkets, that are like that's going to be more processed, right? Where because they're getting their meat from across the country or across the planet. Exactly, and it's not like it's not that, that that meat starts out bad. It's just that they have to add a bunch of preservatives and stuff like that, taking transportation into mind. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a huge thing. So like, um, I actually thought about doing it in college. I never actually got the opportunity. Okay. But a really good way to get meat, if you're in college and say you have roommates, mm-hmm. is to Go in with your your roommates on a side of beef or a side of pig or sheep or something like that. Yeah. Because a side of beef, depending on how much the steer weighed, it's going to be anywhere between $300 and $600. But if you split that up between three to four people, that's not that much for a ton of meat. Like, it's going to last you six months to a year. Absolutely, especially if you take care of it properly. Yeah. You know, I actually just cringed at the thought of working with my my, my doormates on <laughs> anything. When I was in college, I actually had a mini fridge in my room. I wouldn't put anything in the communal fridge because, like, my roommate, I never had any success, really, with my roommates. Like, I had roommates that would leave rotting food in the fridge for a year at a time. I didn't really want to fight that battle, especially the battle for dishes. Very understandable. Yeah, so I actually had a mini fridge in my room, and, like, that was kind of when I was starting my vegetarian journey, and so, like, I filled it up with, like, uh, Greek yogurt, granola, mm-hmm. easy meals, um, 
stuff that I could eat on the fly, and then I usually found myself either like eating in the cafeteria, which is stupid expensive, and the food's not that good, at yeah. least in my experience. And it's super processed. Yeah, like absolutely. Places like Sodexo and whatnot, oh, that, oh yeah. like that food is so bad. I don't care if you're eating at Western Michigan University or Harvard, you're probably eating Sodexo. Yep. Gross. Yeah. Um, and there's also other alternatives, such as ButcherBox, like, is that, okay. and that's actually something I use right now, and, like, this is not a plug for ButcherBox whatsoever, we're not getting paid to do this, like, I'm just giving, like, a solid review on what I think about this service, and so I pay $120 a month, mm-hmm. and I usually, like, this, okay, so just this last box, I got an eight-pound pork butt, I got, right. um, six pounds of chicken breast, mm-hmm. I got three pounds of wings, I got two pounds of ground pork, two pounds of ground beef, a package of bacon, and two pounds of salmon fillets, all for $120. And they ship it straight to your door, so long as you're in the continental United States, for free shipping, with free shipping. And, like, the order processes, and it's there, like, within three or four days. Oh, crap. That's a pretty good deal. Um, I know that, like, for a lot of people sourcing their meat, it's kind of hard to plan ahead. That's a really good way to do it. Um, how I've managed that personally is I cut out meat altogether. And um, I know, like, on my journey with that, on cutting out meat at first, I got really down about it because I'm a huge meat fan. Barbecue is, like, the love of my life. Um, but I tried to find replacements for meat in my meal. And, wow, like, there are some good alternatives and it's getting better every day. I'll say, like, stuff like jackfruit. There's some good, like, there's really incredible things you can do with jackfruit and yeah. alternatives. But the problem is, is that I, I realized that I was thinking about food wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, if I wasn't going to eat meat, it wasn't that I was, I needed to stop thinking about replacing meat and be more focused on changing the way I looked at my meals. Uh-huh. And so, like, for me, it was like, okay. What should a wholesome meal have? I need carbs, right? Mm-hmm. I'll need, you know, I need healthy carbs. So that's easy. It's brown rice for most things. It's delicious. It's easy to cook. Or whole grain breads mm-hmm. or um, like lima beans. That's a good carb source. Absolutely. And uh, brown rice is usually what I go with. But then I thought, okay, I need protein in my diet. And I started looking like, I mean, I do drink protein powder. Mm-hmm. But I needed like really nutritious proteins in my food to get it off, get through the day. And so I started actually looking at garbanzo beans. And I got really passionate about it because I'm really big into the process of cooking. And hummus, such an incredible product because there's so many things you can do with hummus. Garbanzo beans you can put into anything. I put it into my curry, I put it into my salads, put it in everything. But, and then, or you can just straight up roast them for a crunchy snack. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, roasted garbanzo beans, a lot of fun. But hummus was great for me because there's no right way to make hummus. And you'll find that, like, wherever chickpeas are from or cultures cultures all over the world have their own kind of different perspective, especially, like, South American hummus or Southwestern hummus doesn't even have tahini in it. Mm-hmm. And so finding different ways to make my hummus and make different products, not only was I eating better with, like, better source materials, you know, I was eating organic red peppers, you know, putting organic red peppers, organic onions, organic jalapenos into my product. I was also finding that, like, I was enjoying my product better. Because, like, like I said, we were talking about rethinking the way I look at food. Yeah. And one of the big things I had to rethink was, like, 
how do I enjoy food? And one of the ways I most enjoy food is snacking. Mm-hmm. And hummus, in my mind, is probably the second best snack food in the world behind salsa. And salsa is a similar product. You can do whatever you want with salsa. It's mm-hmm. literally just Spanish for sauce. Yeah. And uh, just I just have so much fun with incre- like improving the process, improving the skills that I use to put into it, the different products that I can build. And I found as I put more time and investment into changing the way I looked at food, my ability to walk away from meat and stop the cravings for meat, like it became less of an issue. And I know like um, in uh, a topic near and dear to both of our hearts is uh, nicotine. <laughs> and it was a really similar process actually. I was a smoker and I dipped uh, chewing tobacco for a long time. And I found like my, I was able to quit one, but only by using the other in excess. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't working for me. I got married. My goal shifted from like getting through the day towards like having a long, healthy life with my wife. And I had to rethink the way I looked at how I spent my time. And I, I actually switched to vaping, which was no good for me at all. Yeah, uh, I definitely felt an impact on my lungs right away. And obviously, as we're seeing vapes, uh, I think particularly THC, like people who are using it to get high. Um, no judgments here, but that's not the safest way to do it, I guess. Yeah. And so I switched to Zen. And once again, we have no sponsors, but Zen, if you're listening, we love you. Um, I switched to Zen. They're like salt nicotine. And I don't know if it's the healthiest product on the market, but at least I'm not sucking like fiberglass directly against my gums anymore yep you know rounding us back to our original topic is that like come finding comfort i find myself uh i find myself consuming way more zen finding other ways to comfort myself um my wife and i had an increased craving for sweets recently and so how we like combated that was my wife uh pulled her old wax melter out of storage and we actually got uh, these cookie wax balls. They're like, you know, I smell like uh, baked goods. Yeah. And she just melts that off in the apartment. And at first, I was like, okay, I need to go make something, like a maple bar or something. Mm-hmm. But after eating, like, after eating something healthy, like this morning, I was having a huge craving, but I ate some oatmeal and I mixed in yogurt. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of it. It's just like a yogurt made in Eugene. It's kind of a nicer product you get off the farm. It's mostly like milk solids. It's it a good product. I really liked it. No flavoring. And after I ate that, I was full, and then my craving was gone. Yeah. And so it allowed me to like take that step. And cravings are a huge part of self care. I definitely believe that. And yeah. Self care in this season is super important. Yeah, because it's really easy to like succumb to a craving, mm-hmm. and then like so like say you're on a diet or something, and when you succumb to a craving and you eat something bad, like say you go down to the store yeah. and you get a candy bar. After you eat that candy bar, you're going to be like, yeah, I suppressed that craving. And then you're going to think to yourself like, damn, I yeah. just broke my diet so hard. Well, and the problem with cravings is just like you said, you can only suppress them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can only suppress a craving. Yeah, exactly. Like it, like as soon as you eat a candy bar, mm-hmm. you're going to eat it. And then like 30 minutes later, you're going to want another candy bar because yeah. you're not going to be full. And being full is one of the best ways to suppress a craving. And you're going to have that, like, 
waxy, sugary taste in your mouth that just makes you want more. It's like it's like a drug, right? Yeah. Um, my alternative that I use to suppress the craving for sweets is like as soon as I start feeling like I need uh, something sweet, mm-hmm. big on intaking protein. Like I have like three different proteins upstairs, yeah. um, but I'll go. And I have like these really good tasting proteins. So I'll go and I'll make myself a protein shake, shake that up, and I'll drink that because then um, not only am I going to feel full for a pretty significant amount of time, depending on the protein. Yeah. I can get into that, but depending on the protein, you're going to feel full for a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. And if it's a good tasting protein, you're going to suppress that sweet craving and you put, you just put something nutritious, nutritious into your body. So that, you know, you pound that protein shake, you know, I just drank one, um, you don't feel as crappy about yourself mentally after mm-hmm. you drink a protein shake compared to how you would after you eat a, a, a candy bar or a cookie or something like that. Well, and we all know that willpower is like a super goofy thing, especially when we kind of make a, a sort of a like a, what's it called, a resolution yeah. with ourselves, like, you know what, like, and usually resolutions start out really strong, it's like, you know what, dude, I'm never eating candy bars anymore, I'm not getting candy bars anymore, I'm gonna quit smoking, Yeah. and everyone who's smoked or dipped knows that they've quit smoking probably a hundred times, I don't, there's, you'll find very few people out there who are actively smoking who want to be yeah. smoking, and that's fine, the issue is, is that as we make those resolutions, they degrade. And because they hit reality. Yep. It's or like, as you become depressed or anything like that. Absolutely. You're like, all right, I need something to pick me up. It's, and when you're depressed, it's just so much easier to turn back to that old habit. Absolutely. It goes from like, I'm not going to smoke anymore to like, you know what? I'm going to cut back the amount of cigarettes Yeah. I'm going to smoke. Or like, I'm not going to eat this whole pan of brownies. I'm just going to have one. But if they're there and they're in front of you, it's going to happen. And that's okay. Because it's okay to make a deal with yourself. Yeah. You know, one of the things I found, especially when I was quitting smoking, which I'm glad to say I successfully did, was that like, okay, Pat, you can have a cigarette, but you gotta, you got to earn it. And so like, I'll go smoke, but I'm going to do 20 push-ups first. And for every cigarette, I have to do 20 push-ups first. And I'm not a superhuman, so that obviously limited the amount of cigarettes I could have in a day. Mm-hmm. And... It was good for me, especially like uh, when it comes to like hunger cravings, like you said, mm-hmm. doing some crunches. You make a deal with yourself like, hey, I'm going to do 30 crunches before mm-hmm. I pick up that brownie. And you know what? After those crunches, normally if you earn that brownie, you don't way less to overindulge. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, I've earned that brownie. I'm going to eat that one brownie and then I'm going to like find something else to do. So, like, uh, two things that I've seen. Okay. Um, the first being uh, for people who aren't, like, super into fitness or anything like that, but they want to start eating a little healthier or maybe even just eat less. Like, they w- they don't want to eat as much. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I know somebody who does this, and what she does is um, if she wants to have a snack in the day, she carries around, like, a 40-ounce water bottle. Mm-hmm. She can only have a snack after she drinks that entire 40-ounce water bottle. That's a good deal, yeah. Because then, you know, her her thinking, and I believe it's sound, is by the time you finish that water bottle, you're usually kind of full. Mm-hmm. Um, and it water actually does amazing amazing things for suppressing cravings. And But then, like, if she's still a little, a little hungry or something like that after drinking her water bottle, she'll go have a snack. 
but it's more likely to be a healthy snack. Yeah. Um, and what I do specifically is I'm huge about like keeping myself accountable. So I do that by calorie counting and like I'm pretty stringent about it. Um, so I use the MyFitnessPal app. Once again, not a plug. Um, we have no plugs on this show right now. <laughs> yeah. But so I use the MyFitnessPal app made by Under Armour. And so like throughout. Which is free on the app store. By absolutely the free. Absolutely free. And like even if you want to get the premium or even if you feel like you're missing out by not getting the premium. You're not missing out if you don't get the premium. The premium pretty much the only benefit I've seen is that it lets you calculate calculate your macros per meal not a huge deal so you don't really need the premium you can do that yourself yeah you can it's just more work but in all honesty unless like you're a bodybuilder Mm -hmm. you don't need to worry about calculating macros yeah you know it's funny too when you talk about calorie counting uh that brings to mind an anecdote and i can't remember where i read this but uh it was a new uh he was a dietitian and one of the issues that we run into especially like when we're looking at diets is like okay, the quality of food and nutrition of your food is super important. And it is mm-hmm. for a long-term healthy lifestyle. However, and this always blew my mind uh, thinking about it, but he wanted to prove that the key to losing weight is just is purely calories. And he, Portion control. And he reduced himself down to 1,200 calories a day, mm-hmm. but he only ate Twinkies and Oreos. And he lost like 30 pounds over two months, and it's because he kept himself like down. And so like... It is, and the point of that anecdote isn't that I want you guys to go eat Twinkies and Oreos, but if that's your thing, do you? Uh, but the point is, is that it's okay to grab the corner of a brownie. It's okay. Just don't go any further. Yeah. So, like, when you eat that brownie, if, if counting calories is something you're interested in, grab your MyFitnessPal app. And I always do it before I eat the brownie, right? Okay, so you have to like come face to face with your demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like I'll pull that brownie out of my pan, out of the pan, and I'll like get on my my fitness pal app, and I'll mm-hmm. just type in like you know blah 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 brownie. Like my wife made brownies over the weekend, so I saw those. Super good. So I saw the box that she made them out of, and I like typed that box in. Mm-hmm. My fitness pal has like pretty much every. I, any food in the world, you can pretty much find it on that thing. And you can even scan barcodes. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So I scanned the barcode on that, and it was like, one brownie, you know, this this size, you know, will be approximately 210 calories. And, like, I looked at this brownie, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll eat half of that. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it makes you kind of realize, like, dang, that's, like, a lot in, like, this little thing that I'm not going to, like, feel uh, sustained from. Mm-hmm. And another big thing that I use it for is I work out all the time. So, um, and with certain fitness trackers or apps or whatever, Fitness Pal will work with them and it will intake the activity that you've done mm-hmm. and calculate that into your needed calories for the day. So then it adjusts. So, yeah. like, one of the things I like about that is you can, like, tell it what kind of workout you're doing. Like, say you went for a run and based on your weight, it'll tell you, like, you know, based on how long you ran, it'll mm-hmm. give you a rough idea of how many calories you burn. Yeah, while it's not, like, spot-on accurate, it's a really good ballpark. Yeah. Like, really accurate ballpark. And with nutrition, usually, like, you know, with nutrition and diet, a ballpark is good enough. Like, yeah. if you're looking for accuracy, it's my understanding as someone who's not a licensed dietitian that, like, to be super accurate, to really understand how your food is affecting your body, it actually requires testing. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of testing. And, like, there's different levels of intricacy, right? Like, 
once again, this is something near and dear to my heart, nutrition, uh-huh. exercise, you know, um, taking care of my body. So, like, I've done multiple different, like, facets of nutrition tracking. So, I've done no nutrition tra- tracking, and um, obviously, there's not very good results with that. <laughs> but wait, then, wait, what is that? <laughs> non-nutrition. Uh, oh. Like, you just, like, no tracking at all. Like, you oh, just eat, eat whatever, whenever, obviously, like, you have, you can control yourself, but it's not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. So then there's just like basic calorie cracking. Like that's what I consider like the next rung up on the ladder. Okay. And that's just like, you know, with an app like MyFitnessPal, it just, you tell it your weight, tell it your goal weight, and then it will calculate how many um, calories a day you should be eating. And then you just follow that. And as long as you're consistent with inputting your calories, it's a pretty good way to lose weight. Then you can get into like counting macros and mm-hmm. that's like, that's a pretty tedious process when I did it, like, it takes, pretty much the only way that I found to be efficient with it is I had to, like, be, um, I had to be meal pl- prepping for, mm-hmm. like, a week. So, like, every week on Sunday, I would take some, like, chicken breast, bake up the chicken breast, bake up some potatoes, have, like, a box of salad, and then uh, I had a kitchen scale, and then after all the foods were done cooking and, you know, ready for consumption, I would, like place them on the scale, calculate how many macros that is, place it into my box, do the next bit, you know, potatoes, and then salad, and then it is a lot of work. So I kind of found that to be, um, I wouldn't say ineffective, but inefficient for me, because I don't have a lot of time to be like, all right, now I have to take three hours out of my day to cook potatoes and chicken, and then break them all up into Especially because that takes a lot of discipline and reliability, like, yeah. I, I get that, like, uh, I definitely know that one of the biggest, uh, like, barriers for entry to eating better is um, convenience. Yep. And eating well is not convenient. And so, like, uh, we've all had that experience where, like, we have food in the fridge. That food is not what we want to eat because I have to heat it up mm-hmm. or I have to, you know, or I have to actually cook it or it's not loaded with sugary fats. And I make a break for it, and I go to Taco Bell. And I get that, which is why my suggestion for you when it comes to, uh, you know, no matter how you want to look at it, for some people like Terry, fitness is a huge part of his life. You know, arguably more than a hobby, but a lifestyle. And developing a lifestyle, that's really hard, especially when you're experiencing what we've been talking about, seasonal affective disorder. So... Instead of, you know, like some of you might find that you're losing interest in your hobbies, start to pick up, like, healthy habits and think of them more as a hobby. Cooking yeah. is probably one of the most productive hobbies in the world. What you put into it. And the most rewarding. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll be the first one to attest to you that every skill I've learned, every article I've read on cooking techniques, especially from my man, Gordon Ramsay, you guys changed my life, uh, especially when making eggs. Um that is a investment I put into my net enjoyment, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone, like, people might not think about it frequently, but they think about the concept of net enjoyment in their life, which is like, at the end of your days, when you know, for whatever reason you pass on, whether expectedly or unexpectedly, there's a calculator, right? And it's, how much did I enjoy my life? How much did I hate my life? Mm-hmm. And what did I put into it? And a lot of people, I think, think about it in terms of, like, being an old person, maybe in a hospice and looking back on their life and like, okay, do I regret the way I lived or not? Mm-hmm. 
And let me tell you, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to wax philosophy on how to live your life, but cooking is probably the most obvious and simple skill you can learn to increase your net happiness yeah. over the rest of your life. Whether you got five years left, 20 minutes left, well, like, if you got 20 minutes left, you should probably uh, call your mom. But, uh, you know, the point still stands. And especially if you can introduce yourself to prepared cooking, you know, uh, meal planning, you can make better decisions for yourself in advance, which takes a little bit of the impulse out of it, which for those of you like me, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near as disciplined as you are, Terry, but when it comes to impulse is a huge factor in my life when it comes to making healthy decisions, and I have to trick myself a lot. Yeah. And a lot of tricking, especially with winter, it's kind of nice because it's kind of sketchy sometimes <laughs> to leave your, your home and go to Taco Bell <laughs> in the extreme winter. So it's nice. That's a it's a good time to at least pick up meal prepping. I'm not asking you to make something vegan. I'm not asking you to like make something off of the Food Network or what Gordon Ramsay would do. But make yourself some taquitos. Pick up a recipe from your mom. It's a great way to reconnect with your family if they're around, or honestly anyone's mom. I know you've got a friend somewhere who knows how to cook, whose mom knows how to cook, and she would love to share her recipes with you. The interweb also is a great source for amazing recipes. And while oh, we're talking, man, I hate online recipes, bro. <laughs> I hate them. The, the worst thing in the world because, like, most if you look up like an offhand thing, you gotta get a blog. Yeah. And I don't. I, I know I'm podcasting, but I don't want to read your blog if I'm learning how to make lemon poppy seed brown. You know, like lemon poppy seed cake. I don't wanna. I don't wanna read your blog. I wanna learn how you do it. And then, like, if you could at least, if you are a, like, a food blogger, please, for the love of God. This is my plug. If you learn anything from Pat Blaine, it's that put your blog after the instructions. Because if I really like what I make, I promise I'll read it. I don't want to know about like your incredible life story that brought you to the point, especially because if I'm looking up your recipe, I probably don't have an inspiring life story to tell you that brought me to that point. So, please, put the blog after. Um. So while we were on the topic of uh, uh, overall life happiness, right, and that okay. assessment at the end of your life, um, and just kind of mental health in general with SAD, um, okay. one thing that I've always found to be really beneficial, and it sounds kind of weird because it's still like a little out there for a lot of people, but it's actually meditation. Like, Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. weird at all. It's huge. <clears throat> meditation is huge, right? So like... I consider, like, while I don't compete in anything anymore, I still consider myself an athlete all the time. Awesome. Um, and even for those people who aren't athletes, meditation does amazing things. But for me, I find that having a good mental aspect and a good mindfulness in general, not only it helps me in performance, whether it's in the gym or running or doing a rock march or anything like that, it also helps me in just, like, my day-to-day lifestyle and being able to communicate to people or being able to keep myself positive because um, when you meditate depending on what you're using as a source for learning um, on the techniques um, it teaches you know though app, there's apps and all kinds of stuff websites YouTube videos everything like that and most of them will teach you techniques on how to like just sit there for like five to ten minutes and relax and like kind of clear your mind clear your body of stress or, you know, like, that sounds weird to say, like, 
clear your body of stress. But it's true, like, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness truly affects every aspect of your body and every aspect of your life. So being, like, present and conscious and having a good mental outlook um, are all results of meditating, like, once a day. Or, and like, say you wanted to pick up the habit of med- meditating. It's not a big deal if you do it every single day. But if you do it, like, every few days, once a week, you're still going to see a difference. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I try, Yeah, and I try to do it, like, every day. And uh, I see a huge difference on the days that I don't get to do it mm-hmm. compared to the days that I do get to do it. Yeah. Um, another major aspect that I think people run into the holidays, kind of famous, is that uh, loneliness or isolation. Um, I don't feel that as much as I've gotten older. Like you said earlier, I've got close friends that I kind of spend more time with. And like as you age, your circle definitely closes. You find those people kind of become more of a significant part in your life, whether you guys like socialize really heavily or you get involved with hobbies with each other. And I'm also married, which definitely helps. Uh, being a part of a healthy relationship definitely closes the gap on isolation and gives me a resource in the home for dealing with any sort of mood issues that I have, but uh, when I was younger, I found myself isolated a lot. Far from home, uh, I found very few opportunities professionally to really bond with my coworkers or in a position to really bond with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, or honestly, and a lot of people get this, I just did not want to be around in my free time the people that I spent just spent the last. 12, 16 hours with slaving away. Uh, I didn't enjoy the company and I didn't want to make it something that it didn't need to be. And everyone understands that, like, and I get that. Um, whatever hobbies you have in your life now, I guarantee you there's a community for it. Yep. Whether it's board games or hunting or anything, uh, the one that most obviously comes to mind is video games. There's online communities, and Reddit is such a great resource for finding people with similar hobbies to you and avid discussion in it and I'm not like I know it can be kind of weird a weird idea like put yourself out there on the internet to make friends but it's a good way to remove a little bit of that isolation even for like you know even for a few minutes of the day like if your hobby is crochet put yourself out there in the community maybe put some of your work out there for comments and criticism and talk to like-minded people, and it might make you feel a little bit less alone knowing that there's people with similar interests as you, even if they're not right next door. Some of you guys can might find that comforting, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But, uh, like, I know it can be difficult, too, kind of intimidating to start a hobby with a friend, mm-hmm. um, especially because some hobbies have bigger barrier for entries than others. So uh, one of the hobbies that I just started with my good friend for a couple of years, Terry, is podcasting, which you, know, you, you can guess that from what we're doing, but it's a really good way, I think, to get whatever your interests are out there, or in our case, uh, nothing in particular. Just um, talking a yeah. lot. <laughs> and uh, what we really wanted to bring to the table was what we were doing at work together when we had free time which was really just talking about the world, talking about our thoughts and our feelings. That was a really good way to connect in the workplace, especially our kind of stressful, offhand, stressful job. It was a good way for me to feel a little bit less alone, and I hope that we can do that for you guys. But what I want to talk a little bit about is how easy it was to get into podcasting and get the equipment. Yeah. 
No one knows that better than Terry. You want to tell us a little bit about the equipment that you picked and why? Uh, so, like, I just went on YouTube because I knew we had talked about doing podcasting. Like, it just kind of dawned on us. And um, so I went on YouTube, and I looked at all these different setups and whatnot. And, you know, I kind of had an idea of what we would need. And I literally just, like, typed in four-person podcasting setup, you know, and this guy went over all of the equipment. And so, like, I started looking into the equipment, and it's really not a lot. You know, you and I are sitting here with a mic in front of us and a mixer here and my laptop. And um, it wasn't, uh, you know, I think a total, total it cost us, between the two of us, which we split the cost, um, was probably less than $200. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Because uh, we bought our own mics. And the mic was what? 30, 30 bucks or something like yeah, that? Yeah, my advice get the blue one, uh, the toner mic. Um, <clears throat> a little bit cheaper. Yeah, this, so the mics that we're using right now are, uh, they're called Toner, Toner, or it's like Xenix. The, co- the company is Xenix. So it's a Xenix um, 202Q1 microphone. $30 kit, comes with a, a mic boom, um, a shield, and a windscreen and everything. And I, like, obviously, I don't even know all the terms for the, the, the pieces of equipment. But, you know, it came with a mic setup, and here we are. We're recording um, a podcast less than a week or about a week since we got our equipment. And it was super easy to set up. The only expensive part, if you don't have a laptop or a computer, that's the most expensive part. But uh, uh, that's pretty much it, you know, and uh, you can go from there. Yeah, it was super easy to get into. I know that, like, uh, some people make their podcasts just with their phones. super accessible. Um, I like, uh, I kind of like podcasting with stress relief. Uh, You guys will know that we're not just doing Blue Mountain Off Topic. We're also doing a D&D podcast, uh, well, not d d a tabletop role-playing podcast called, uh, oh, what do we call it? Basement Adventure Company. Yeah, Basement Adventure Co. Yeah, Basement Adventure Co. And I, it was a, it's a great outlet because we were already doing these things. And speaking of finding a community, um, the goal is less to be successful and get a bunch of subscribers as much as we'd love your subscription. But the goal is to get out there more and connect with people who are thinking about the same things we are or have the same passion for getting together with a couple of friends and just playing a simple game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like uh, we're also talking about doing another podcast called uh, Brews and Dudes, which is where we, we both Pat and I and our buddy Richard are all avid beer drinkers. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we would review beers for a little bit and then we would – potentially have a guest on or something like that to tell us some cool stories um, while we drink their favorite beer. And uh, so, like, the cool thing about podcasting is the the potential and the, um, the niche uh, topics that you can cover and things that you can do are limitless. Like, the, you, can, you can start a podcast and talk about breeds of cats, and I promise there are people out there that would probably listen to it. Which is a good intro for our next episode, all about uh, cats that are perfect for your hand. <laughs> he, he's kidding. <laughs> um, 
So what do you think, Pat? Do you think we should wrap it up with that? I think we've hit a good time. Yeah, I think I think so as well. So we want to thank you really quick for listening to our podcast. Once again, we didn't have any sponsors or anything like that. But hopefully with your subscriptions, we could potentially have sponsors and annoy you with advertisements. Heck yeah. Um, moving forward, first of all, please, in the comments, let us know what you're thinking about seasonal affective disorder, how you deal with it or how it has affected you in your life, or if you have any input on anything we've talked about today, we'd love to know more from you guys. Also, um, if you want to get in the comments as well, you guys can suggest topics for us to go off topic of um, at the beginning of our podcast, and we would be super grateful for that because sometimes we sit down and we're just like, well, I don't know, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> so if you guys suggest it, it's kind of like that accountability thing. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll be more disciplined. Yeah, and then uh, we can go off topic as much as we want off of that. Um, so thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great early winter and uh, enjoy. <laughs>